You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! We are back. Today's guest is none other than Ty Vaughn of Broadway Calls. We recorded this episode a few weeks ago, which, as you know, in 2020 time is a few years ago. The weekend after we recorded this, movements for racial and economic justice have swept the country after the murder of George Floyd at the hands of the Minneapolis police officers was recorded on video and shown to the world. It has been difficult and powerful to experience these conversations with family and friends and strangers. Uh, there has been massive fundraising. The protests here in Philadelphia are awe-inspiring. It's going to be a, a long and, and powerful summer for sure. But we're going to have a follow-up conversation soon because Ty and I have had some incredible conversations outside of the podcast about the world and what's going on. And we're going to talk about the changes we're witnessing and the ones we wish to see and uh, how they reflect on our life experiences and apply to the, our journeys in this Broadway Calls will release their first new album in seven years, Sad in the City, on July 10th via Red Scare Industries. I've heard it. It's fucking awesome. I can't wait for you to hear it as well. Oh, now, real quick. Ty turned me on to a podcast called It Could Happen Here by this guy Robert Evans, and the timing for my listening could not have been better. I can't recommend it enough. In fact, anything by that guy I've found is great, including his new series uh, called Behind the Police. Uh, both will blow your fucking mind. And without further ado, my dear friend Ty. Let's do it. Here we go. We got Ty with me. Ty, what is up, my friend? Howdy. Doing good. How are you doing? Oh yeah. Great. Great. All things considered, here we are two odd months later uh, into the coronavirus pandemic of 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing good. I'm out here in the country relatively. I'm in the country compared to Philadelphia. Uh, I am in St. Helens, Oregon. Past the anniversary of the uh, St. Helens uh, eruption? We did. Yeah, named after that. Not not not, not the eruption, the mountain. Yeah. I was not born when that happened, but my family has some pretty cool photographs of when that went down. My yeah. older sister was just two years old, and or no, she was one. And there's some cool photos of them racing down the highway in there. My dad's Chevy pickup, trying to get a better view. Damn, they lived way down so in the wild. Down in the Willamette Valley of Oregon at the time in Monmouth. I don't I don't think you've probably ever driven through there, but it's 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 a couple hours south of Portland. Okay, cool. Yeah, but not on the like west coast because we have you know obviously everybody goes from Portland to San Francisco and we're touring. It's just not on I five. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So you probably it's like off of I five a little bit. It's a little college town. Uh, that's where I was born and lived the first year of my life, and then we moved up here to Columbia County. Hell yeah. yeah, yeah. The it's funny that you said you said Willamette Valley. Mm-hmm. I've always pronounced it Willamette, especially since a lot of wine and stuff has been coming out of there. So I don't know, it probably sounded really dumb when I was up in uh, Portland recently. All that. I think it's Willamette. I, yeah. I'm pretty oh, sure. sure. I've heard I've heard Willamette <laughs> too. <laughs> That's like a Wilkes Bar, Wilkes Barre situation for the place in Scranton where bands would always come through. It was called Wilkes Barre, but every single band got on stage and was like. Hey, so uh, is it Wilkes Bar? Is it Wilkes Barre? And it's like the same <laughs> bit over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. 
we have all kinds of is that is it like a indigenous name no okay no, I, I think, think that's was... what's going on out here yeah, I think it was a German name or a, oh, yeah, uh, like a Eastern Eastern European situation. Does that sound kind of Euro, huh? Yeah, uh, definitely. And there's tons of uh, – it's actually – so Luzerne County and Lackawanna County in Pennsylvania, I think, are the two counties uh, out of, like, 67 that don't have the majority, like, ethnic majority, like, history, family history of being German. Uh, those two places are – one of them is Irish, Lackawanna County, and the other one is, uh, like, Lithuanian, I think, it's pretty randomly. So Because a lot of people came to work in the mines, so – it's interesting, interesting place. Like, not many smaller cities have like a Lithuanian neighborhood and an Estonian neighborhood, and like you know sections of Italy and Ireland and shit. It's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I didn't grow up around anything like that, so it's, it's very, <laughs> it's really to me. It was just like, yep, everyone is white and looks the same in this tiny ass town that I grew up in. It's beautiful, Oregon. Oregon is yeah. my favorite place to, to kind of go. I always, you know, it could look like, it's kind of weird too, and that one side can kind of look like Jurassic Park and be hugged by just a beautiful mist in these crazy old growth forests and shit, and then the other side is kind of like a like a desert in the eastern part, and kind of like the edges of it when you're going through. I was really shocked when we drove through there. It is beautiful. I don't spend enough time in the desert part. I would love to get down there more. I grew up in the the rainforest part of Oregon and still live yeah. in that part. And it's great. I love it. But, but yeah, I was just talking about the, the other day, like, damn, it's been forever since I've been to Bend, Oregon, which I don't know if you've ever played in Bend, Oregon. We've not. But yeah. It's a pretty small town, but it's blowing up in, in the central Oregon. It's off. It's in the middle of nowhere, pretty much. Um, probably known for, you know, the outdoorsy industry, like the yeah. skiing, the snowboarding stuff. But they used to have a rad little punk scene, and we used to go down there and play shows. And do you remember Larry and His Flask? I do remember Larry yeah. and His Flask. That was oh, one yeah. of my favorite bands. When we did Warp Tour, they were the band that had the upright bass that came out into the front of the crowd every day. And it was, Yeah, dude. Absolutely. They're from there. Oh, of course to, they are. We used to go play shows with them. And when before they had that upright bass, like they were just like a shredding punk band. And then they evolved and blew the fuck up. Yeah. yeah, that's very cool. I remember them. Yeah. They were really fun. They were really nice and cool to hang out with. And it does kind of make sense in a funny way that the band with the upright bass that didn't wear shoes for most of the day was from Central Oregon. You know I mean, like they're just full beards caricatured out. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah man. Keeping it, keeping it big footish. Totally. So I wanted to st- start off just talking about everything that was going on with Corona and COVID because it's kind of like the, the, the colored lens through which a lot of the current moment is, is, is seen and how we're talking about it. What, how are you keeping yourself busy? And I know that you're out in kind of a more rural area. You might spend a lot of time at home anyway, but all of my friends are getting into at least something or sharpening some kind of skill or just hanging or, or whatever, learning or working on music. How, what what you getting up to? Are you baking sourdough and like uh, filling the recycling bin with with, with wine, wine bottles? No, I well he, whiskey <laughs> bottles. Yeah, yes. whiskey bottles. I we have a puppy, and that puppy takes up a lot of time, which is a great thing to have during this this lockdown. We've just been I can't imagine life without it right now without that little dude. He's an Australian, a little mini Australian shepherd that we rescued that was about to be put down because the previous owner thought it was deaf. He's not deaf. <laughs> <laughs> they just, what? they thought he was deaf, returned it to the breeder, and 
it was going to be put down just because they thought it was deaf and it was like free, you know, free to a good home. So we were like, oh, wow, that's, that's crazy. I'm so glad you rescued that dog. But how do you think a dog yeah. is like, can you can, you can solve that really easily. Get like a pot and pan and, you know, bang it and then see if the dog reacts. Like, I don't know what that's fucking I know crazy. they took it to their vet. Their vet told them, yeah, this dog has hearing, hearing issues. Whoa. There. And that was that. And we, he's definitely not deaf. <laughs> he barks at everything. You'll probably hear him during this podcast. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I know that you uh, you guys are animal people. Yeah, um, we have several animals. That that keeps us very busy. We got three rabbits, two cats, and a pup. And they just chill around the house. They just like they just have their own room. They have the the spare bedroom is theirs, and cool. that's how we keep them separate from the dog. The cats and the rabbits get along great, which is surprising. Yeah, it's surprising. They just chill. They don't really see any difference with each other. Yeah, for sure. Walk right past each other. That's wild. As you mentioned, having a a dog around during this time has been pretty fantastic for for us as well. We adopted a dog last year. And uh, I'd been a dog person growing up, um, you know, as a kid and was never a cat person. And then uh, when Beth and I moved in together, I also inherited the cat. And now the dog. She got the dog while we were on tour. She just called and was like, I'm fostering a dog. And it'll be gone by the time you get back. And I was like, uh, okay, great. And I got home, and, and as that goes, the dog is now here, sleeps next to me constantly. Uh, and it's hilarious. But it is really, really funny to have the dog with you and that kind of like, I don't know, the weird part of the interspecies communication is so weird. Like you have this symbiotic relationship with this dog that you pulled, what, we trained them out of while we were still living in caves to help us hunt shit and then selectively bred them into the whole thing is just so bizarre and, and interesting to me to think about. And it's just funny to have like this little, you know, Chihuahua Pomeranian dog that just kind of like hears intruders before us and goes fucking nuts when people are being weird outside, but then, you know, we'll just pass out at your feet. It's, it's weird. Yeah. But the amount of amazing. love you can see in their eyes when they, or trust, or, you know, yeah it's yeah whatever it is that is there that you can see it's incredible i love having a dog yeah around. they're they're just constantly in that second of that day Absolutely. there with you it's pretty it's like it's grounding and yeah so we're lucky that jasmine and i have a backyard that works out really well we don't have to really walk around uh we just run around in the backyard with him he likes it back there and 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 we're growing a garden first time i've tried doing that oh hell yeah. yeah yeah that's been really fun i get we inherited uh a gas-powered moto tiller rototiller <laughs> oh so you got a serious ass garden. grandma that she's still alive she just gave it to us because she didn't need it anymore and <laughs> it's fucking so fun to play with it's this thing you just rev it up and tear up the earth back there and then you get to you know plant whatever you want so we're in the we're, in the, we're about to plant. It's gonna be yeah, fun. that's awesome, man. I'm so stoked for you for that. We actually also had a garden for the first time this year. We were on a we, we were on a list for like five or six years. Got into this community garden. Uh, have no clue what we were doing. Started watching some YouTube videos. Read a couple books, and we planted a bunch of lettuce. And now I don't think we'll ever have to buy lettuce again. If you are having a garden and you're planting fucking lettuce, you just it just grows like a weed. It's amazing. We have an entire like uh, giant sack. Let's say it, a literal sack of lettuce. But speaking of like growing our own food and stuff, I got to say that you guys. So, so I'm forever indebted to you for basically opening up the world of touring and getting us completely addicted. You guys brought us to the West Coast for the first time back in 2009, 
and that yeah. we had never been that far before driving across the country with no plan with just a date we're like okay i guess it'll take four or five days or whatever so we just started driving it was incredible and getting out to the west coast one part about all of that was how you guys also introduced us to west coast food and also to eating on tour so we had kind of we at that point in our lives we were more about drinking on tour it was like all right six pack six pack six pack whatever i could eat whatever's there i could eat a bag of chips for dinner you know at that point in my life or whatever yeah. shitty and and, and young but uh, you guys were like, Josh always had this thing right back, so we're going to eat. And it was like a running joke, which I really <laughs> loved. But getting introduced to West Coast food was fucking nuts, man. We get out there, and the burritos were so big. Uh, you guys took us to In-N-Out Burger for the first time. And I think that it, it also kind of set the stage for eating on tour as like an army marches on its stomach situation. So it's like one of the family things that goes on, like one of the ways that you can bring the people from the show, the bands that play the show all together at a place. And I thought that was, uh, that was a really cool way that you guys showed that to us. It was sick. That was so fun. That's where it was so fun. And yeah, that was back... We didn't really party a lot back then either. We didn't drink a whole lot. And so the thing was, after shows, always, where are we going to go eat? You know? Like, where yeah. we got to go eat? And uh, so, and it, that was kind of always been our tradition, yeah. It's carried yeah. on. Josh keeps that flag carried high. Like, hey, we're eating. Let's go. Let's get some food. <laughs> yeah, you know? I love that. Make I, sure. I, yeah, I'm down. Yeah, and everybody gets too drunk, you you kind of bring them back to earth, you, like uh, realign them, you know? You're like, all right, we're going to sober you up a little bit. Remember you guys took me to that place that sells Pinky's Hot Dog, Pink's Hot Dogs or some shit like that in Los <laughs> oh, Angeles? Yeah. remember being way too hammered to be there, and then after that I was like, oh, I've been aligned. This is wonderful. Yeah, that's a, that place. Damn. Totally forgot about that. I haven't been to L.A. in way too long. I haven't been to Los Angeles in like five years at this point. It's crazy to think about well, good thing everybody's right about to go on a bunch of touring. And we're all set to head make our way back down there. Uh, yeah. No, who knows when we're going to fucking tour again. I was thinking about asking you about it, and I realized that neither of us are, I don't know. I don't know if you know anything that I don't know. No, but there's, kinda... there's nothing. I know what we canceled. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know <what> I, mean? <laughs> I know that I was like, what I was excited for. Yeah, this is all the, we were the first to get, we were the first things to be canceled, and we're going to be the last things to to open again. Which, you know, I think it's going to give us all some time to align. We'll, hopefully it'll be a footnote uh, or, you know, funny anecdote in the future. We learn something from it. But, uh, yeah, that tour that you guys brought us on, man, that was uh, such a pivotal moment in my life. And one thing, I, so you guys, before Broadway Calls, you'd started uh, Countdown to Life. Right, yeah, yeah. Right out of high school. We were... Which is a hardcore band. Yeah, yeah. We did a band. We were actually in a band called Out of Touch that was like this goth like keyboard goth keyboard like kind of misfits kind of afi kind of like weird metal band can you find it on can i find it online still i don't know i this was i wish dude i wish because i Mm -hmm. we were we've talked about this all the time like damn i wish we had some out of touch recordings they were called out the band was called out of touch you can try to find it i don't think that it would be the right band if you found a band called that yeah because i can't think of any recordings that are floating around but we did that. That broke up. Started this hardcore band. We were, it was like that or go to college at that point, basically, you know? Because it, oh, yeah. it was like we were playing in Longview, Washington. That was our, that was our scene growing up from, from like 15, when I was like 15 years old, Josh and I started going to shows at the Legion Hall in Longview, Washington. And that's where we saw bands like the Jimmies where they were they were like 
the big local thing there. They were on lookout. Cool, and, very cool. You know, like, so that's where we came out of, Longview. But we were like, shit, we got to go on tour or else we got to go to college. And so we decided to do that instead. So Countdown did that for about, I don't know, 10 West Coast tours and one full U.S. tour. And then at the end of that U.S. tour, it was pretty obvious we weren't going to be able to do anymore just because it was rough. You know, it was our full, first full U.S. tour with that band Where Eagles Dare from Arizona. I don't know if you, know if you ever crossed paths with them. They were after the, the okay. I wonder if they were like a Misfits. Isn't it a Misfits song? Like a, it is a Misfits song. I they took it's the also name from a, picture. It's also like a World War II movie. I think. Okay, cool. And uh, they. They took us out. It was fun, but it was obviously like we can't keep doing this. We can't afford to keep touring, you know. Sure, yeah. And so we, so some of the dudes in the band were like, "We gotta go. We gotta go to work." And Josh and I were like, "Well, fuck. We just got this new van. (laughs) (laughs) We gotta. We we don't really want to sell it immediately. We want to keep making these van payments and keep doing this music that we." you know, have been working towards. We decided we weren't going to go to school because fuck that. And the kind of music that we listen to all the time is the kind of music that we ended up writing when we decided to do Broadway Calls. Like, I always listen to Green Day and Alkaline Trio. And yeah, I figured that you had, uh, were similar uh, to myself in the, in the sense that you had come up into punk or found a place in it by listening to Green Day and Alkaline Trio and the Lookout bands, like a lot of that kind of pop punk that was, you know, kind of colored the way that you saw punk rock and the way it was going to go forward, you know, kind of like... Absolutely, yeah. And we did, when I was about, you know, Josh helped me discover a lot of, of those like Fat Records Epitaph style bands, you know, when I was... When we were about freshman, sophomore, you know, I was rocking Green Day for sure, Nirvana and Bush and all that. But, you know, he there's this killer record store in Longview called 13th Avenue Records that we were so lucky to have that around because they had all those fat records comps and all those epitaph comps and yeah. all that, all that. Dude, Punkrama Four. Punk <clears throat> when I got a cop, Punkrama Four was Dude. like with the kid whose face was all busted up on the front of it. It was like my introduction to so many bands and uh, such a. So that was like a you know another door just opened up and never was the same again after that. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. I it once I I got a pizza delivery drop and I spent at least half of my paychecks on CDs. You know, <laughs> it, because that's what it was the most important thing to me was what records are coming out this week and what can I what can I dig into now. But we had played a lot of like pop punk style of music throughout high school because that was that was definitely the music we were into mm-hmm. and then right after high school it was like well, let's try a hardcore band because this shit rules too and yeah and you're at that age you got a little bit older stronger and angrier you're like all right <laughs> yeah i need to it's <laughs> it I'm makes gonna a go, lot of sense i'm gonna go join the military i'm gonna start a hardcore <laughs> band so i did <laughs> yeah there's a lot of that where i think it sounds similar to yours and and mine <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, dude, it's you got the recruiters breathing down your throats. It's like, yeah, fuck, yeah. Well, I guess I'm gonna start this band. Yeah, you go to the army, you start the band, or you get into. You're not good enough to play any like minor league sports or college Absolutely sports. Absolutely not. No way. No lifting weights. There's no like chain gyms back then. Mm-mm. No, still not interested in that. 
Yeah. <laughs> but hardcore, beating the shit yeah. out of each other in the middle of, a, of an American Legion hall, that sounds, yeah. Hell yeah. I, I love that shit. But I you can see the, a lot of the residual maybe fans or crossover or whatever when we did that tour with you guys uh, because a lot of the bands that played with us were hardcore bands. I knew that some guys knew you from that band or some of the promoters maybe you guys had known from those tours that you did on the West Coast. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, they really shone through, and it was it was it was pretty cool. That wasn't something that we knew or we were getting into when we when we came over. But it was also similar to us, where in in Scranton the scene was very similar. When we moved down to Philadelphia, it was you know the, punk and hardcore was synonymous. But back then, some of that pigeonholing was so drastic that we were like, okay, you do one or the other. There's, that's a hardcore kid. That's a punk kid. And then you realize how insane that is as as you get older. But yeah, I think we the benefit of growing up in the smaller town. We, you know, Portland, we didn't consider Portland our hometown or the hometown scene at all. We'd go there for the big shows because that's where the big tours would go. They wouldn't yeah. go to the lobby. But I think the benefit of having, concentrating on a hometown, smaller hometown scene, and we bring, Josh was a promoter for a while. We had a, a few promoters in town that would bring some killer bands through. Some There was a few places to play in town, and... To be able to bring just any touring band through, no matter if they're a hardcore band or a pop punk band or whatever, it it was something for people, for kids to come out to. And it was, I don't know, I'm, I hope that still happens out there. I haven't. I haven't seen it for a long time. I but. think it does. A lot of kids send me messages on you know Instagram or, or whatever asking advice to how to get bands to come to your town or how to start a band or how to have shows. And some of them, you'll see, I'll follow some of them, and you'll see that they just are putting on shows wherever. The library, there was a, a kid I talked to who was putting on shows at the on the rooftop of a community center for a while and was getting a lot of bands to come through, and it was really cool. And I think that, yeah, it's still still totally going on, which is really exciting, man. It's, it's really cool. And they're probably even, the, the way that the you know music has been democratized and the way that communication is instantaneous, it's probably even uh, easier to network in that in that regard. You know, I remember going to bookyourownfuckinglife.org or byofl.org or whatever it was, and you'd have the promoter list there, and you'd call those people and be like, hey, can you can I, my band play there? And they'd be like, you, you know, yes. <laughs> or you'd trade, <laughs> trade, uh, trade shows with the band and from whatever venue that you have in your town. I'm really glad that that happened. I don't know, you know to what extent that's happening or to what extent people are into it, but yeah, for us it was interesting because we'd moved to, to, to Philadelphia, which is like... Uh, Pushing three hours south of, of of Scranton on the East Coast, it's you know it's a lot more densely populated. So there's a million cities in between there, and uh, it's kind of like England in that regard, where it's like, damn, I gotta drive three hours and act like it's so so far. And you're like, I'm, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, co- copy that over to the West Coast kind of driving. And yeah. we yeah, when we got down to Philly, there were so many uh, house shows. So it was like you know, right, right at the beginning of the housing crisis, and there was a million venues having a million shows every day. And we were kind of right place, right time. We're really fortunate to have that. I don't. I wonder if that still exists in Philly. I know some people that go to house shows, but a lot of times they'll be like people our age that you know the people own the house and they're like uh, everyone's drinking wine and kind of enjoying somebody in the living room or whatever. But I feel like it's never going to go away. Yeah, I think that it probably still happens. It, there's so many different scenes, you know? Like, yeah. there's scenes that I don't know anything about. There's so many different scenes just in Portland alone. And there's so many different punk scenes just in Portland alone. And and there's definitely house shows out there still. Oh, I yeah. Just don't Portland. 
Portland is my, as you, you know, I've told you, I probably already said it on this this podcast several times already. Portland is my favorite city. I would live there if I didn't live in Philadelphia. I love my crew of friends that moved there. I love the the energy and everything that's going on there. It's just really cool. The climate, everything's fucking awesome. It's I'm not jaded to it because I only get to visit there. It's actually very nice. I come in, see my friends, everybody's stoked to see me, and then I leave. You know, I don't have Hell to yeah. deal with any of the parts of Portland that other people don't like. But I am astounded at the amount of music shows people doing things for wanting to do them uh, instead of kind of the motivation of maybe I can turn this into a career or I need to be the best or biggest at this. And there's not like a, like yeah. a hyper competition. A lot of it is kind of, you know, just people doing freaky shit. And I really I back that. I think it's really cool. Absolutely. It's like, part, it's a huge part of like the bar economy there, you know, like everybody that works at the bars plays in the bands that play at the bars, you know, and that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, it's I'm really like, glad you brought that up. That economic structure of that is like that. Sir, it's not. I don't want to call it a service industry thing or whatever, but it's like everybody makes. You can make good money, and then you go and you spend it at the same places with the same people, and it creates like a a a, a cycle. <laughs> it's it's fucking sick. Absolutely, I love I love that, and I miss that right now a lot. That's that's been. I mean, that's such been. I'm sure you feel the same. Everybody feels the same way about when we go flashing back to the coronavirus. Yeah, the way sure. We've been spending it, spending our time. I've been spending my time uh, sad as fuck about like, not being able to listen to loud music, to to hit music that loud and yeah. with that many people around. There's no substitute for that. You know? Yeah, collectively being together in it, I think, is really uh, important and. It fucking sucks. Uh, definitely, yeah. definitely fucking sucks to not have that kind of connections. We're talking about how. What I wonder if business people will still shake hands when they are having a meeting. I wonder if like uh, it's gonna be weird. When is it not gonna be weird to hug your friends and family? You know, are people gonna skip over that part and it'll just be basically like having sex without a condom is gonna be like uh, what hugging is? You know, it's kind of like once you're in, you're all in. Everything's broken down. You're kind of stuck. We'll see. I wonder what the, the ramifications are going to be. But part of me thinks that we're just going to, you know, be. Nobody knows any fucking thing, but it seems like that this has been happening to humans for two hundred thousand years, and I'm pretty sure we're gonna we're gonna be all right after it. Um, yeah, yeah. There's going to be a good chunk of us that are going to just continue along. It's yeah. fine. And yeah. you look out. You know, they're, they're doing it right now. There's people that are just <laughs> out there enjoying their lives as normal. Like there's nothing going on right now. I That's live true. in a county that opened up. Portland, it's not like that. Portland's closed, shut down still, but I live in a county that's not shut down. And, dude, it's just the bars are packed out here. I haven't been in one yet. Yeah. I see people walking out of them in the middle of the day, which is a good sign for, you know, the people that own the bars. But, yeah. damn, dude, I don't know if, if I don't know what's yeah, going on. Yeah, it's wild, dude. It's hard because you can't carbon copy or the carbon You can't copy and paste the policy or behavior from one place uh, to another place. You know, like there's a lot of places in Pennsylvania that have very and they've they've since quote unquote opened up you know but they have if you if you lived in a place and you had no cases of the virus in your in your town your county whatever there's only a couple cases in like a nursing home or something set and you can go to fucking walmart that's slammed and buy frivolous patio furniture but you can't like go to church or go to work as a mechanic or something you're gonna be like wait what's going on here this doesn't make any sense 
uh, and I get that that part of it, and it is, uh, yeah, it is, it is wild. It's wild that you guys have bars and shit open. People are just kind of like rolling in and out. It's interesting because uh, a part of me wants to. I don't want to jump as far as I think that some of my friends have, or some people I not some some people I know have, or some people you see on social media and shit, where it's almost like a a fetishization of 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 staying home. Almost like you want it to be bad forever, and you know you want like, oh my god, I can't believe someone's going outside. They're fucking selfish bullshit, you know. When, but in a yeah. situation where you live in a place where it's it's uh safer you know but it's still fucking weird it is weird and, and it's like okay now <laughs> i know the rules are if you want to go outside and if you don't wear a mask you better be prepared to be f- publicly shamed on twitter you know <laughs> you better be prepared to have your face thrown out there and go viral for being you know just a germ throwing disgusting animal but you know you should also wear a mask i wear a mask when i go out yeah, but dude, like the fucking hatred is real for the for the people that it's it's just it's crazy how you can just society is just like, yep, those people are the bad guys now, the people that aren't wearing masks. <laughs> yeah, it's a, the and it, the hatred is is crazy. You see, you see out there. I've yeah, I've witnessed bizarre. I've witnessed arguments out on the street. I go to work still and. I only work three days a week and I don't deal with any customers at this little pizza cart. I just do the prep stuff for them and I don't see anybody, but I've, I've witnessed arguments at the carts over, over that exact same thing. It's, it's heavy out there. Yeah, man, that's heavy. Yeah. And also, I mean, you know, the Pacific Northwest is kind of, at least in my mind and my experience it the city of Portland itself, I've known to be a place where people can, I could imagine people would be very quick to scream at someone for not wearing a mask in the city of Portland, Oregon, you know, kind of like, uh, mm-hmm. this is our righteous path kind of thing, you know, for <laughs> yeah. they want people to be safe. I get it. But just yeah, kinda, dude, it's totally. kind of, kind of place where people yell at each other for shit. So I feel like every time I go and visit my friends and visit you guys, that someone, that there's some kind of citywide drama that someone has to explain to me that I don't understand because I don't understand the, the intricacies of what like the, the big offense was that had happened, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, fuck, we, I mean, just like most major cities, we'd have, we got to deal with a lot of right-wing idiots out here, dude. Like, yeah. A lot of crazy folks that are heavily armed or live out here. And it always, it's always been that way since, or since the white people came to Oregon. It's like, yeah, it's just always been a place that was like built for, you know, just a, a white utopia out here in the, the Northwest. And yeah. there's people that are trying to fucking make that happen still. It's, it's yeah, the history of wild. Oregon is wild, man. And the fu- the fucking Rosnishis, they that documentary it seems like it was ten years ago. I think it was just last year <laughs> yeah. uh, when it came out. And I remember reading about it because I really liked the author from Oregon named Tom Tom Robbins, mm-hmm. um, or is it the actor? No, Tim Robbins is the actor. Tom Robbins wrote the yeah the Woodpecker and even Kyle Gross got the blues. But he had read his Wikipedia page and they made a mention of some kind of connection. He he said something about the Rajneeshis. I don't know what the connection was. I'm just talking on my ass. But I looked them up and was like, holy shit! There was this wild ass cult people in Oregon that poisoned everyone so they couldn't go vote. It was the craziest story. Then the, I saw the Netflix documentary and was like, oh my god, I gotta watch this. And then you remember that, you know, you see exactly what happened out there. It's fucking crazy. That was so wild. I barely remember that. I was born in 82. So I think that most of that took place in like the late 80s, right? Yeah, it was the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, it might have been just not even made it to the 90s. But I remember the name. I remember that name. 
I remember, uh, like, you know, there's two, three channels back then. So yeah. I remember being on the news every night. I remember that name <laughs> being on the news all the time in the local news. And I, but I had no idea what was going on. I, I still yeah. didn't. I didn't know anything until that documentary came out. That yeah, shit was if you guys crazy. are listening to this and you've not seen the documentary, uh, I forget what it's called. I think it's so. a wild, wild country or wild. Yeah. It's something yeah, like that. Yes, something like that. I could look it up. I have a computer in front of me, but fuck it. Worth uh, if, yeah, if you totally worth watching super fascinating story the all different parts of like humans america religion it's it's wild as hell but speaking of authors you i always think of you as one of my 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 closest friends who's also a big fan of stephen king oh hell yes yeah and i love stephen king dude so good i absolutely love stephen king i recently just reread uh his book about writing called on writing and really 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 enjoyed it but yeah, I thought that there's kind of a, you know, that he likes the Ramones. He's got kind of a straightforward style that the Ramones almost also have, or they do also have in their lyrics. And you guys obviously take some influence from that. And I kind of felt that there is definitely a connection between Stephen King and your lyrics and how you guys write and kind of like living in that same world of building a scene like that. And I thought that was, that was really cool. That's cool to hear. Yeah, I fucking love Stephen King. He's always been a huge influence on my life. I can't think of when I started reading him I think it was just because it was free and I was in school libraries you know and it was, yeah. it was like public access stuff I, and I was talking about him recently with a friend and I had said that I, I got I found a box of his books in a basement and started reading them and and, and she had mentioned that how many people started reading Stephen King because they found one of his books in a basement when they were a teenager. And I was like, damn, that's totally true. That's I'm cool. sure that's how, how that shit happened to everybody. You know, it's just so available. School libraries, such a, a popular writer. I love him. He, I, I love the way he has so many different stories about the way shit could go bad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, he just has all these, all of these situations planned out and i mean like big picture stuff like apocalyptic thing you know he has some great end of the world stories that some dystopic fiction that is uh, incredible it's kind of reminded me of the mist a little bit in a sense of being this thing has come over us we have no idea where it's coming from and everybody's kind of accusing each other of getting to that point oh absolutely dude the, the, everybody's <laughs> trapped in the grocery store together everybody's, tra- everybody's trapped in a grocery store together yeah so totally. yeah, the disease is everywhere yeah, the stand is is another one that comes to mind because that totally. one, yeah, that one's probably one of my favorites. I need to revisit that one. I heard they're remaking they're like making a a film version with, and they've cast Marilyn Manson. <laughs> All right, I don't know at what. I mean, it's two thousand and twenty. You could say anything to me, and I would be like, "Yeah, that sounds about right." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's he'll be good though. Yeah, I think if we fucking, I mean, I'm sure he's going to kill it. It is kind of wild how Stephen King is one of the most biggest writers in the United States, one of the most popular, best-selling authors, and it's so morbid and so, like, uh, graphic in some sense, and I think that's, like, almost part of our, our cultural identity, that just kind of, like, gore, fear, you know. Oh, Pretty. this is the most violent country in the world, right? This yeah. Is, like, we are just violent as fuck. And I don't mean that, like currently yet but i mean historically just we're just violence like we drop atomic bombs on people it's yeah yeah it's we we love violence in this country yeah it definitely veers a bit into the woo woo territory but i always thought that the reason one of the like we can't be surprised that there's so many mass shootings and school shootings when we're the largest arms dealer and bully in the entire world like if you run around the world murdering 
bombing, lying, c- creating all of the weapons that, you know, all the micro reasons why the, the, the shootings happen are one thing, but it looks like almost like our soul is just destined to be that way. Like, you, I don't think you can really run around the world blowing shit up and not have it kind of just internalized somehow. Yeah. I mean, if the whole thing, if I think if you're, I think the whole America first, I, the, that idea of that, I mean, that's a violent idea in itself, you know, just like, yeah. not fuck everybody else. We're taking it all. That's all. That's what it is. That's what it's always been around here. Yeah, and yeah, I don't see that going away anytime soon. No. <laughs> yeah, and I guess if you think about it, we kind of that's where every one came from. Everywhere of every true, culture true, in the true, history true. of all fucking humans, just slattering the shit out of each other. But maybe you know, as if we gave everybody a cell phone, as we get. I listened to the, the most recent time I went to the like the last time I went to the bar in the states. I went for a cheeky drink around the corner, and there was a guy talking about Esperanto. Have you ever heard of Esperanto before? No. It was a a. I think I think it's so fascinating. It's such a cool idea. It is a made up language, like a designed language from the 20th century that they were trying to push to be a universal language for everybody in the world. So okay. it would like to get rid of miscommunication, unite everyone in the same experience, a, create a, a, a global identity, the idea of stopping war and just, you know, poverty and all that. And it's super fast. There's a, there's actually a movie that's fully in Esperanto than the st- starring the, the Star Wars guy. Fuck. Not Star Wars, Star Trek, the Captain Kirk from Star Trek. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Goddamn, <laughs> everybody knows what you're talking about. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. But he, yeah, he's he he speaks in Esperanto. There's like a million or two people in the world that speak it, and the guy who made it tried to design it so that you can use it, it's easy phonetically for everybody, no matter what your native language was, so that you'd be able to pronounce everything. And this cool. guy was going on this wasted ass rant about it, but it's so funny that it's just I've never you know, heard what, of this. It? Yeah, it's it's pretty wild shit. Esperanto. So that was a way to like bring everybody together, and you, you're. Are you saying that maybe the the internet is the the new is the actual Esperanto? Maybe I hope so. Maybe it could be, or I could just dream about it as we solve the world's problems right here. There you go today. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so your guys' new record? Um, yeah, yeah. See, we got a new record. It's yeah, how fucking, fucking exciting is that? Really exciting. I, I, it's it's really exciting. We've been out of the this for seven years as far as like releasing a record the timing is off obviously awful but yeah. that's just the way it goes you know yeah. or hopefully good no one has anything to do but sit around and listen, to, <laughs> listen i know to we want to go play shows so badly though it's i know been, we've been out of this fucking game i would love to play shows we already had to cancel some killer stuff and with the flatliners our dudes yeah god damn but I can no. say the record sounds amazing. Thank you. I'm, and you yeah, returned. You uh, I have heard it. Yeah, cheeky, cheeky. Listen. Uh, so you guys were, went back to Pittsburgh to record it again, right? Went down in the old uh, Pittsburgh, California. Yeah, dude. Newtone Studios. Yeah. Newtone Studios. Where yeah, where we did our first record with Willie Samuels. This time we went back and worked with our friend Scott Goodrich, who is a young up and comer who's killing it down there. He's a dude that we've known for since the beginning of this band he was in a band called hear the sirens back in the day now he's in a band called daydream they are just have always been a really strong bay area pop rock presence down there and he learned how to record bands and he works at the studio that we did our first record at so it seemed 
it seemed natural to be like, yeah, let's go work with a friend. We're going to do it ourselves this time. We knew we were going to work with the producer. We wanted yeah. to make our own record. And uh, so we just went with, worked with a friend in a studio we were comfortable at. Very cool. It sounds, sounds that way. It sounds awesome. It sounds like you went a little bit further out with some guitar stuff too. There's a little bit more sonically, a couple more effects, a couple more like uh, cool arpeggios in between shit that really fucking back. It's awesome. And at the behest of boring some people, what, what kind of gear did you get into while you were recording? Any, uh, yeah, uh, we used a your lot signature of signature Telecaster? With... No, didn't use that at all. Ah, it's no crazy. Shit. You know what's crazy, dude? I inherited a Strat from my uncle who passed a couple of years ago. And it's this crazy 90s American Strat that he ordered directly from Fender. He was like a surf rocker. And <laughs> he was a big, big, he like got me into guitar when I was a kid. And he, you know, he was like into Dick Dale type, just shredding. and Amazing. And he was. And I have his guitar now. And I started playing that when we were writing this record. And I was like, this guitar definitely needs to be on the record as much as possible. So that's on there all the time. I used a Vox AC30 that I loved. Yeah. I fell in love with Vox during this record. I, enough, I, I went out and found a used one that I was super stoked about uh, because... I think I texted you about that. You did, yeah. Yes, I did cool. text you because I was like, dude, check this fucking thing out that I found. And I, I was so lucky yeah. that week. Gorgeous. I, was, I wanted to go find a used guitar and a used amp, and I did both. And uh, yeah, so I'm all stoked on the Strat and the Vox right now. That's what I'm rocking. Very cool. That's a, yeah. a, a quite a combo right there. I love those Vox. It took me forever to finally discover them. I, Greg and, and Nick Harris had talked so much about them, and I'd listened to them a million times. I was like, yeah, whatever. And then I had used one consistently on a tour and was blown away. And I used one on our most recent tour in Australia. We would uh, rent one every day. And it's just the AC30 just sounds so, so good. Uh, it's like uh, it's got the kind of boxy parts that I like about the, the blackface fenders that I've been using forever and that, you know, I'll always use and then it just has that like extra bit of harmonics and shit for me you know it's like we're getting to this point where i don't i can't use the words without making the noises like i really like the shh part but not the you know but uh, yeah the ac30s are just <laughs> so fucking sick yeah Very they cool. have this chime that i it's like this ring it's like a bell sound to it almost that i like yeah i don't know how, when you're really just letting a chord go i love it hell yeah so you use a lot of that. Use so many pedals, like so many pedals. I can't even. It was so fun to record guitars with Scott because we would just. I I wanted a lot of different sounds on the record. We wanted we wanted to keep the sounds moving. We wanted to keep the sounds moving so people would stay interested. You know, we don't want to just keep the guitar tone the same the whole record through, or the whole song through. So we we would just have a pile of pedals on the floor, and he would just go for it and i'd just be standing with the guitar heap down the ground plugging different ones in do a take plug different ones in do a take it was great it was so fun like we had a week to do the whole record which is a week shorter than our last record and a week shorter than the record before that so (laughs) so like it was it was like we were just fucking hustling the whole time it was really fun yeah it sounds it's really impressive that you guys got that done in a week that's that's fantastic thank you What's yeah. the plan for releasing it? July 10th, it's coming out on Red Scare Industries. Hell yeah. Our so awesome. Toby. Yeah, it is awesome. We are so happy. I haven't been this excited to release a record in a long time, regardless of the chaos in the world. We, I, 
we know that we're in we're working with the right people right now you know i mean you know you know toby everybody on on this podcast knows toby yeah toby's the fucking greatest and toby's back in philadelphia i've been talking to him on the phone a bit i can't wait to be able to see him we're gonna hang out at a at a at a lovely distance soon i cannot wait hell yes dude yeah he might be one of the first people that i go and meet up with but yeah, Toby was one of the first people that believed in us. He put out our um, EP that we put out right when we had, had went with you guys on that on that 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 West Coast tour. And ever since then, he's been a close friend and somebody that I look up to. Somebody that I look up to for music stuff. But I'm also glad that he's in my life because I get to talk to him about you know the journey that he's been on, whether it's people, places, things, the way that the world works, how we see it. You know, he's a, a, a great lightning rod to kind of bring that kind of stuff to him i really really respect him for that i'm so glad that you guys put the record on on red scare yeah we are too and it, it was so easy and everything you just said is is right on every time we have a conversation with them we've only had a chance to hang out with them once as a band and it was really fun brendan played a show in portland like a solo show in portland and like the day before new year's eve and and it was great we all got to just like hang out and party all night and it was uh, the only time we've had a chance to like have conversations with them face to face. But every time I have a phone talk with them, it goes on way longer than anticipated. You know, <laughs> it just yeah. it's, it's good. <laughs> he's a good dude to talk to. I love him. Yeah, I mean, he's the greatest. He we basically lived at his house while we recorded uh, several records in Chicago and got you know intimately familiar with him and his life. And he's yeah, like we were saying, he's been a great person. He's also the dude you talk business. You might talk for five ten minutes and then you're on the phone and an hour goes by you're like okay all right, i get it we're uh, we're people first you know always absolutely couldn't be people first then like, yeah, yeah no, no it feels warm it feels good it feels good it's like we we were scared as hell to come back and do this and didn't know where didn't know where we were gonna land and then josh was like let's try red scare uh, because can you hear des barking yeah i can yeah, he's he's allowed to. <laughs> Josh was like, "Let's try Red Scare," and it was the only people we sent demos to. Toby was the only dude, and he was like, "Yeah, let's let's do this." And it's been so easy the whole time. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for context, it's, for context, it's been seven years since yeah. you guys had last put out a record. How was it? The damn hell yeah. Well, how did the kind of flow go to decide to make the this record and to try to you know how did like it all come together and you decided we're writing this record we're recording this record we're putting it out and we're gonna we're gonna play shows it came together pretty slowly we started writing the record a couple years ago three probably three or three four years ago if i looked on my phone you know the voice memos on your phone do you use that for oh yeah yeah absolutely walking down the street you hum something into it and then you find it two years later and you turn it into a song it's It's the best it's such a good resource and and uh, if I looked in that, I'd probably si- find stuff in like 2016 that's on this record, you know, idea, like m- just melody ideas that I was humming. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so we started kind of just, we're like, damn, it's been a long time since we've written a song. We're still playing shows whenever anybody asks us to. We'd, we never broke up, never yeah. had any kind of announcement that we were done. We just stopped writing because we had life stuff going on. We had a lot of different personal things happening we're all living in different cities starting yeah. families you know all that and the band and touring was just not going to be possible for 
the way the way we had been doing it previously mm-hmm. when it kind of, when josh josh decided one day hey man <laughs> like i want to i want to do music and this is this has been something i miss a lot and i was just working in portland and not even really thinking about making i never thought there was going to be another broadway calls record i really didn't uh. it was just not something that i thought would happen and he he's like let's start let's get together let's start writing and it was a slow process but this record was definitely just like the three of us getting together i was like hey guys i have an idea here's here's here it is here's a verse and a chorus if if i was lucky i'd have two parts like that to show them you know like here's a verse and a chorus we make a song out of it you know that's basically how the whole whole record went and it was a slow process but it's just us we there's no producer this record that you hear is just our ideas on on tape it's we're really happy with the way it turned out incredible that's so great to hear i mean i love it i think it's awesome i'm a huge fan of your guys band so i'm really glad that you decided to make another record because i think that i I mean i needed it selfishly and i think that it's going to be a great thing for the world when they get to hear it uh, it's something that one thing we get asked all the time, you know, I know you've been asked it, I've been asked it is what it, about the motivations or what the process is like we're thinking about while writing the song. So the idea is like, all right, well, writing the song, am I writing it with the intention of sharing it? I mean, yeah, clearly, usually anybody who's just like, no, I write it just for me. It's kind of the, why would you be telling about how would they know that you wrote it then, you know, you, et cetera. It's just kind of like a pompous thing. But um, that keeping that in your mind while you're writing it after not having uh, put out a record in, in that amount of time. And this time, like you're saying, no producer around, you're writing it there with the band in the room. And it's like uh, almost like that kind of, for lack of a better term, jam aspect. You know, you're kind yeah. of like, uh, this is actually just what music was for us, for, for, for humans for so long, what it was for us as people when we were first jamming in high school and after and every time that we meet up. And I think that that's a, a really great way to come up with the songs and you can hear it on this as well that it kind of just seems like you guys are writing together and it's like it it, it feels really good like you had mentioned i think it's an interesting take as opposed to writing with a producer in a room or not even writing with a producer maybe you're just like restructuring and stuff like that is this the first time that you guys had gone in without producing the record per se with someone yeah pretty much i mean i mean the first record we did we didn't have a producer we worked with willie he was the engineer and he he wasn't the producer in the sense of like he wasn't like he, i mean he we, we put whatever we wanted on the record you know what i mean we yeah. put like every song we wrote on that record <laughs> we, yeah. we put a cover song <laughs> on that record you know we just like let's yeah. have everything we have we know how to play is going on this first record yeah at that time when you have a first record it's also like well this is how we how anybody who's going to book us is going to hear us so <laughs> there's no like yeah. you can't stream it anywhere you got to get everything out there for everybody to how are you going to sing along at the show if you don't hear the song first you know like yeah we're putting 14 songs on this okay yeah, exactly. we're, putting, <laughs> we're filling up 40 minutes worth of music yeah. and you know i don't know so it, that was drastically different than the second and third records we made with bill stevenson uh, at the blasting room which was fucking awesome and we learned an insane amount about how to structure a pop song basically during that time. I mean, you know, it's just, I did at least, I, I, I always, sure. I always think about the, the things that we learned while working with Bill. He is a badass musical genius. And we made those two records and we, 
we were heading into this one, you know, the idea of working with him again was always in the back of my mind. Like, are we going to do this? And then it, it came, it, it came clear pretty early on that, no, let's just make our own. Let's just do our yeah. own thing. Cause we, we, we did that twice in, in a row and we're going to try something different this time and go back to, you know, it's like, it seems like I go back to your roots thing. Cause you're going back to the old studio and, and stuff, but I don't think this record sounds anything like our first record sonically or anything like that yeah it's it's very different it makes for the story you know it's kind of like anytime that you send a picture to uh whichever press thing they're always going to pick the one where you're holding like a fucking rubber chicken or whatever (laughs) it's like it gotta gotta make the narrative good for (laughs) for everything and i know this intimately because uh my fiance was a music journalist for so long and every time that we get into a discussion like one of those things or like just hypothetically very broadly hypothetically she'll always say the thing that I think that they would say. She'll always say, well, why don't you use that picture? Or why don't, oh, well, that makes, that's where the story is. And I'm like, well, no, but yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> Dude, but, those fucking, some of those press photo shoots, I, <laughs> yeah, we haven't done one of those for a very long time. I'm so happy, but those, some of those are still haunt me. I remember when I started working at that, that brunch spot, some of my coworkers like Googled, me and there's a photo of me like <laughs> some dumbass photo that was never got used for anything <laughs> photo of me like holding my guitar behind my head the, you know wasn't my idea but i was told to do it and i was playing along and and still out there yep, <laughs> still out there it's, it's gonna be out there forever <laughs> <laughs> yeah good good stuff that's what we get. That's the punishment part, you know, of of, of being in the band or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, what sucks. Though, I guess is for all of the fifteen year old kids who every part of their life is like that now because they just <laughs> everything got put online, so they're not even in bands. Yeah. They just have every kid who ever got beat up at school and some kids like yelling or, or or lost a fight is yelling "World Star." That's just gonna be on the internet forever for their whole fucking life. I know. I've definitely, I I've been scared of that of of just of uh, dude I, I don't know i think that punk news scarred me back in the day or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, you know i i don't like the internet very much yeah i can see how hypocritical this notion is considering we're having a recorded conversation right now <laughs> but the idea of having the most of my conversations and even the way that i frame them in my mind sometimes i think about how they would be perceived in a public domain whether it's like a twitter or something and be like oh well i think this thing or i have so we might even have this hot take about something or whatever like when you're like yeah well fuck this it's like oh well can i think that would my peers allow me to think that i mean i don't have this thought often but i've definitely gotten stoned and been like well i couldn't tweet that that would be oh yeah that would be horrible oh yeah and then you start to realize like this it's just a weird bizarre kind of socialization that change that's happened to us and then figure what the kids are they just you know don't sound like an old man talking about the kids but here we are in our mid-30s it's like yeah it's that that all that nation of or, sorry notion of uh social media completely changed a lot of that stuff for us and it's it's fucking weird it is man it's it's very weird it's it's yeah well we remember when we didn't have the internet and that's gonna go away pretty soon people yeah. remember what it's like to not be wrapped up in the in social media that's going to go away pretty soon like generation one generation away or whatever a couple generations totally. away that's one of my cool. younger cousins brought up a good point and it was that a lot of the younger kids are really into the social media stuff that's more fleeting 
So like Snapchat and some of I mean that's the only one I know I guess but it's it's not the way that they send posts or what they send to each other is not permanent so it'll be like uh, it's like five seconds or ten seconds or whatever there's like this one called Marco Polo I think people usually send like a video to each other so instead of having a post that sources anyone to come see it you already have a network of your friends that you send it to and then it's gone uh, I think that maybe that's like a natural inclination for them to, to to do that as humans like a like a like a good idea <laughs> as yeah to us. i agree i like that better i i like the idea of things disappearing the the right to not be on the internet forever is is something that doesn't get talked about very much oh yeah i wonder if society will change to where they'll let kids do that it'll be like okay you can't like should you lose your job when you're 35 because of something that you said online when you were 16 you know like uh, it just seems like People should be able to make uh, mistakes as they grow and get older, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is absolutely you can. I mean, that's that's been proven. You can lose your job. You can not get hired because of social media. You can just not get hired straight up. Yeah, yeah you can just straight up not get hired. Yeah. But there's also, like, this everybody, the, there's the hyper-aggression, the, the thing that, <laughs> that cracks me up that I've noticed, like, is that it's cool to threaten physical violence like it's cool to threaten physical violence on people that you like politically disagree with but but you you better make sure don't know (laughs) but but yeah but but you have you got to make sure that you respect like everything else about them (laughs) it's like (laughs) why like if you're gonna hurt if you want to hurt somebody's feelings hurt their feelings like or like you're gonna go to prison over some physical violence shit yeah I don't know. That's what I've noticed. This fun trend lately is uh, the threats of physical violence are escalating on Twitter, and uh, that's like a, and that's okay, but it's not okay to to do anything else outside the lines. <laughs> you, yeah, right. <laughs> you get shut down for for disagreeing yeah. with like uh, for the smallest political. Yeah, that place is is weird, man. I I can see how it could be very beneficial. It gives a lot of people a voice, gives me a voice, gives you a voice. It's a super cool way to share information. You can interact with people that you've never met. But I had to get rid of it. I came back to it again recently for the first time in a couple of years and had to get rid of it again. I realized it wasn't doing me any favors. And I would think about things that people said in, in non-positive lights. And not that they were against me or anything, but I realized that the cynicism just started to to move and breed and i was like this is not doing me any favors one of my friends that i've met on tour six years ago has some hot take about fucking burger king and now i'm like you know next thing i know it's it's occupying my my very uh limited attention and focus so fuck that yeah no yeah you're you're good you're better off yeah, I feel, feel better about it. Yeah. So I'm not even going to ask you if you watch the show because I don't want to give away the plot of, or anything about these other things. But one thing that I keep thinking about was while we're on the subject of uh, social media and having our communications and the things that we search cataloged somewhere, because you know everything that we fucking look up is, is in some computer somewhere, <laughs> that the I wonder if we're all just here for some moment in the future that's not going to be judged necessarily the word judge, but will be aggregated collected and what someone will know about us. Like is, are we, uh, the guy who wrote sapiens, I forget his name, but he, he, he brought up a point of the way he phrased it was that we're all right now, everything that we're doing is we're at a job interview for some kind of job that we don't know about very far into the future. Like some computers going to be able to be like, all right, well, this is you, you fall into these categories. This is how you behaved. We've studied enough people and we know enough about, you know, behavioral economics or whatever to pop people into these different categories. And that shit is tripping me out recently. 
Fuck, that's like like a traditional biblical story. Like you die, you, you get judged, right? You like you're gonna get, you get judged by the computer gods. Yeah, that's terrifying. <laughs> and and I can see that happening. That's not good. Fuck, yeah, dude. I I don't I I think that I think that the the yeah the way we're heading right now, I don't see any kind of. Uh, there's no stopping technology right now. Artificial intelligence is definitely going to take over. Like, right? There's no, there's no stopping. <laughs> I mean, that. it's gotta, right? There's no government oversight. There's, there's no. <laughs> not at all. Part of it makes me. It's kind of liberating no. or fun in the sense that I'm just like, all right, well, I guess that makes other things that I thought mattered not matter less, and I can just get to be me. I guess we just got done watching The Matrix. Jasmine's never seen The Matrix <laughs> for the first time. Oh no, yeah. shit! How was it? It was excellent. I, I hadn't seen it for in the years. First watch, first watch, like a couple hours ago, we got done with it, and and that, yeah, the agent Smith, he he's the one he's just lecturing Morpheus on how humans are the virus, you know, in that scene. So fucking and good. It's like yeah, everything you're saying makes perfect sense. Yes, dude. Yeah, <laughs> right. Just copy it onto now. There's a <laughs> Matrix Four coming out. I'm in line. I'm ready. God, I can't. I can't fucking wait. Can't wait for that. It's all the same team making it. Like everybody's on board. I have no idea, but I know uh, according at least to the 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 headline that I skimmed over on Reddit and didn't click or read through that Keanu Reeves is is in it. So well, that's that's good news. That's a start for sure. Yeah, I like that. Oh yeah, man. But yeah, dude. Uh, thank you so much for being here with me today and talking to me about this. And I'm so stoked for the record uh, for the world to hear the record because I get to hear it and it's fucking awesome. Thanks, dude. I I'm so happy with the way it turned out. It was it was weird. It it like it got pieced together. It, it really got pieced together. You know what I mean? Where we, yeah. we were in there for a week, just doing these thirteen, fourteen hour days, and then we would come home. Josh was just killing it with talking. With, we had to mix the whole record basically over text message. You know, wow. and Josh really took the reins on that. It, which helped which you know that's the way the record sounds it sounds killer and yeah. that's scott and everybody if you want to work in the bay area go hang out with scott he's, he's yeah hell yeah i would love to meet him yeah. cool. but yeah man uh thank you so much for being here and in closing i was almost asked you i almost did but i didn't ask the every i think uh, musician's least favorite question and that is anything you want to add <laughs> no dude i'm all good <laughs> thank you so much tom this has been fucking yeah, fun dude. i this thank is my so first much, time man. i've ever like done this kind of podcast with just the traditional like i got my microphone set up here like i'm a late night like tv show host it's, it's fun right yeah. yeah i love it man it's so it's so much fun it's been a, a, an incredible outlet for me and it's been really cool for uh uh me to interact with people that that like know about the things that we're talking about or getting corrected is pretty funny i've gotten a couple emails that was like hey you said this but it was actually this and at first i'm like motherfucker why would you take the time to do that and then i realized you know what good that's awesome that you corrected me thank you now i've uh am informed and i've grown and learned and i uh, i feel like on this podcast in particular with you i've been able to be uh, myself and talk about things that in a way that i haven't on other ones so that was really cool and maybe i've really got to revisit some of those stories that we have from the tours that we've done together and you know and we're gonna have many many more stories together would you come back and do it again the podcast absolutely tom next time hopefully we'll be in, doing it in person that'd be so fun if not no no worries and we got plenty of other shit to talk about we got ufos we haven't even touched about we haven't talked about anything weird 
Okay, we so, talked about normal stuff this time. Yeah, that I almost ra- I have a, some notes over here. I almost ran into the Oregon UFO shit, but I got to say that I've got a UFO guest coming up soon that I'm fucking stoked about. I'm stoked uh, to listen. Yeah, dude, I can't wait. I can't announce it or anything because it didn't happen, and I don't want to like you know blow it. But that's one thing that I am super fucking stoked about. In fact, I'm going to talk to you about this afterwards if you have any good ideas or questions to ask them. But yeah, man, I'm going to put your guys' links and shit in the show notes and anything else that you would want to add or 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 and I'll definitely link to the new the new single. But thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. Hello out there. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz and I'm Flynn McLean. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.